I'm Mike Breen, Public Awareness Officer for the American Mathematical Society, and I'm talking with Hani Farid, who is at the University of California, Berkeley, in the Schools of Electrical Engineering and Computer Science and the School of Information, and we're talking about deep fakes. Uh, so, Hani, can you tell us what deep fakes are? Deep fakes are a general term to describe a new phenomenon of using machine learning, and in particular deep learning, hence the word deep, to synthesize fake content. So, for example, using deep learning techniques, we can now synthesize images of people who never existed, or we can synthesize audio in a person's voice, or we can replace one person's face in a video with another person's face. And this is really the classic story of automation. Of course, we've always been able to manipulate images and video and audio, but now we've automated it with advances in machine learning and in artificial intelligence. Yeah, so what might take, say, a month to fake before can now be done much more quickly thanks to AI or machine learning? That's exactly right. In addition to being quickly, it also requires less expertise because the machine is now doing the heavy lifting. So instead of a talented digital artist in a program like Photoshop manipulating pixels, the machine is learning how to create the fakes for you. And so it has democratized access to fairly sophisticated tools that used to really belong in the hands of Hollywood studios and particularly talented digital artists. And that is where you can see some of the threat of this because if you democratize access to creating fake content, suddenly we have a world where you're gonna have a lot more of this very, very sophisticated and compelling fake images, video and audio. Some of them are pretty good, right? Yeah, what we've been seeing, it's been really fascinating, is that just about every three to four months, we see really rapid advances in the quality of the fake content. So a year ago, it was neat, it was cool, but there were some artifacts. And a year later, some of them are almost indistinguishable now. And these are not being produced by Hollywood studios. They're not being produced by just academics. There's people on the internet experimenting with open source code and getting better and better at creating these. And I think we are rapidly approaching a time where it's going to be very, very difficult to tell the real from the fake. And so then we rely on people like you, honey. So how, how are you working to stymie these things? Yeah, so we're thinking about this problem really hard uh, because we have been for a long time thinking about this forensic problem, how you analyze content, determine if it's real or not. And our job just got a lot harder because now you have machines that you're competing against, not just other human beings. And so right now we are really focused um, particularly on audio and video of world leaders and of candidates for high office. We are particularly concerned about how these deep fakes can be weaponized to disrupt global elections, not just here in the U.S., but around the world. And so the way we've been sort of attacking this problem is we've been trying to build what we call soft biometric models for particular individuals. So, for example, we've noticed that when you watch a president or a candidate talk, they have very particular speaking styles. So here's my favorite example of that. Uh, when President Obama delivers bad news, he frowns and he tilts his head downward ever so slightly. And when he delivers good news, he smiles and he tilts his head upwards and to the left. And it's very distinct and it's very particular and it's very consistent. But other people don't do that. President Trump doesn't do that. Senator Warren doesn't do that. Vice President Biden doesn't do that. But they have their own quirks in how they talk. And so what we do is we analyze hours and hours of video of these individuals and we build these soft biometric models that discovers very particular characteristics of how they speak their facial expressions, their head movements, 
their tone, their pitch, their body movements, and even up to the hand movements. And the goal being that when somebody creates a deep fake of an individual, that those will be disrupted and then we will be able to detect it. And so that's our current approach. I think we're going to need a lot of other approaches as well because it's a complicated and fastly changing field, but that's where we are right now. And those things that you detect, are those done by individuals or is machine learning able to detect them too? Yeah, it's not. We don't use the classic machine learning algorithms, but we do. It's all algorithmic. So we have algorithms that analyze the facial expressions and then builds these models. I would say it falls under the category of more classic pattern recognition and not so much the machine learning of, of the modern age. And one of the benefits of that, by the way, is that anytime you, you use machine learning to attack another machine learning algorithm, you're going to lose because the adversary can simply incorporate your detection into their synthesis. So you want to, in some ways, get out of that loop so that it's going to make it harder and harder for the adversary to counteract your uh, detection mechanisms. Are there any particular areas of math that you use in your algorithms? For example, is linear algebra important? Yeah. Well, first of all, linear algebra is always important. Um, and so, yeah, so we so mathematically, there's a lot of linear algebra, multivariate calculus, probability and statistics, and then a lot of techniques from pattern recognition, signal processing and image processing. So underneath the mathematical models are being driven by a fair amount of mathematics. And then there's some code that sits on top of all of that to do the operationalizing of those algorithms. So uh, we're all happy to hear when you say linear algebra is always important because we, we agree with that, too. You said a little bit about wh what you're working on now. Uh, can you give us more details without giving things away or, or uh, what do you look for in the future for this? Yeah, it's a great question. So so let me I'm going to preface this answer by saying there is this tension now in the work that we do, because every time we reveal what we do, we potentially make it easier for we make it possible for the adversary to create more compelling fakes. And of course, we are academics. And of course, our job is to develop scientific techniques and then make them available. But one of the things that we've been really thinking hard about is how do we do that in a responsible way? How do we develop and deploy technology and not simply increase the pace of the arms race that we're in? So that is something we're thinking hard about. So having said that, let me tell you one of the things that, although not all the things that we are working on right now. So one of them, which is my favorite, is we've noticed that when different candidates for the 2020 elections talk, they have very different speaking styles in terms of the pauses in their speech. So if you listen to me speak, um, I tend to talk fairly fast and I tend not to stop a lot when I talk. But not all the candidates are like that. So some candidates, when they talk, they'll take a little break between sentences and sometimes they'll take a big breath. And then they'll continue talking and you can measure those. It's actually fairly easy to measure the moments of pauses in speech, whether that's for a breath a sentence, a paragraph, or they're just thinking. And what we've noticed is that these are very distinct speaking styles across the various candidates that we've been analyzing. And so what we're looking at next are these very interesting patterns of speech. How fast do you talk? How long is the pause? What is the distribution of those pauses over, over time? And then we're also looking at things that when I get excited, I tend to raise my voice and my voice changes pitch a little bit. So there are correlations between the pitch, the spatial frequency or the temporal frequency at which we speak and the volume. As I move back and forth towards the microphone, there are differences in the acoustic sounds. And so we're looking at all these various now audio tracks because those also tend to be fairly specific. And our hope here is 
by analyzing head movements and facial expressions and auditory patterns and linguistic patterns and body motion that we are going to make it increasingly more difficult to create compelling fakes because you now have to match all of these various aspects of an individual, which of course is much, much harder than just creating something that looks visually reasonable. And for you then, is it good that there are more than 20 candidates or bad? It's bad because each candidate is customized. I don't know if this is the right way to do it, but we're just starting with uh, starting at the top and working our way down. So we're looking at who are the ones who have currently the highest polling at the highest, and we're working our way down the, the candidate list. But each one is customized and requires us to find some videos of them, clean that data, build the models, and then do the analysis. And so it's not months of work, but it's typically about a week per candidate. And so we think the crowd will thin out fairly soon and we can sort of focus on the top five to 10 candidates. So, honey, that's very interesting. Do you have anything you'd like to add? No, but let me just add that. Well, I guess, yes. Let me add that, you know, right now it's very U.S. focused. We are looking at the U.S. elections, but it's a big world out there. And we do genuinely believe that these deep fakes are a real threat to democracy and society. And so we are hoping to ramp up and, and work across North and South America, across Europe, across Asia, and across the world to really help societies contend with this fake news and misinformation campaign, particularly as it pertains to democratic elections, which we feel are incredibly essential. Mm -hmm. Honey, it does sound like essential work, and we wish you all the best. Thanks very much for talking with us here. And that's Hani Farid, who is at UC Berkeley in Electrical Engineering and Computer Science and the School of Information. He was talking about his work trying to detect and expose deep fakes. Thanks, Hani. Thank you, Mike. Good to talk to you again.